Hello and welcome to the Heads and Volleys podcast with me, Lee Dunn. Jump over to my Twitter, at Lee Dunn Soccer. Just check some of the conversations I've been in the last few days in terms of we sit in this Twitter world where we say everything on what we're doing is great. And the problem are the people outside of the Twitter world or the problem are other people and we don't really have a problem. And I'm not saying that we do have a problem, but there are also ways that we are part of that problem. And unfortunately, we are in a situation where we can use social media to have meaningful discussions and to present ideas to each other in ways that we can all hear it. We're in an open platform. A lot of people may use social media as a spy and just watch and look and never really interact. But those that interact, I genuinely feel, are the ones that are trying to make a change, trying to make a difference. But unfortunately, those that are not engaging or those that are not even using social media in that way, those are the ones that we are trying to get to and they're the ones that we never get to. Much like a coaching course, coaching education is supposed to develop a coach to provide a better environment for our players to challenge our players more. But unfortunately, the ego of most coaches says, I don't need to take on education. I don't need to do this because I've done it this way for years and years and years. And now this is some of the the same ideas that we're running into now where people refuse to participate in the coaching community. And Twitter has just been one of the best places for me to, to learn and to challenge and to engage with new people from all over the world and then also take ideas away that I can either share or that I can take into my own environment. And though this one is all about winning and the argument that we are, as a population of coaches and administrators and parents, ruining the game for the players because it all becomes about winning. But the reality is, it is all about winning. If you were present or have listened to my talk on the America Scores symposium that they did early on during the pandemic in 2020, I presented the topic of redefining success. And this is very much along that line because we have to redefine success. We have to win in other ways that will ultimately lead us to win in the big picture. So what do I mean by that? It's all about winning. Look at your soccer club's social media. Look at your soccer club's website. The pictures that you see, what are they? Are they teams playing in tournaments, winning tournaments, winning state cup, winning the league? Or are they action pictures of players having a good time? Are they action pictures of players learning a skill and maybe executing a skill? And whilst that's difficult to show in an image, and the number one thing that will attract attention will be trophies, it's a very good and simple measure for the message that your club is sending. Then look at the words that are attached to the social media and attached to the website. Is it all about getting players into college? Is it all about becoming the state champions? Is it all about winning whatever the local game was or beating a local rival? Or was it about how much the players have been learning X, Y, and Z this quarter, this phase of periodization, this month, this winter? Whatever it is, begin to get a feel from your organization and then understand why the parents of the organization, the players in the organization, have the approach that they have. Then consider the environments that you take these players to. Do you go all the way down to Surf Cup? Do you go all the way to the East Coast and go and play out there? And then 
Do you then have the same expectation of your families that it's just going to be about development when you're asking them to participate in these big expenses, in these big travels with these fancy tournaments and this, the prestige that comes with becoming a winner of Surf Cup? And that may also be on your website if your team has gone and won at Surf Cup. So the environment that we're creating determines what kind of winning we're looking for. Now, if we're just looking for winning, winning the tournament, winning the trophy, winning the league, winning state cup, then there's a very simple measure. Did we win it or did we not win it? And unfortunately, if we did not win it, which if you look at just the, the, the facts alone, it's very, very difficult to go and win through three games, four games, five games, depending on the makeup of the tournament, eight games, 10 games over a season. There's lots of factors that tie into actually coming out in the end and being the champions. So then revisiting my redefining success, let's look at ways that we can win and ways that even the best intention people are not winning with their players. And I'll start with your players playing in the same positions and the same formation. U.S. soccer is, is a fiend for 4-3-3 and 4-3-3 only. And then Y players are Y players only. They only play forward positions. Central midfielders can only play central midfield. And I know this from experience because I was recently in Phoenix for ODP. We had the best players from Northern California, or as, as many of the best players as we could get our hands on that would travel and, and come and play. And so then we sit with our team meeting and I begin to get to know the players. So what formation do you play? What position do you play? Could you play a false nine? What if we slanted the team and put everybody on the right side and left the left side open? All of these challenges and situations that I see ODP as almost like a World Cup. You're putting the best players together and trying to get them to perform. And it's very, very difficult to do that when the players are so rigid and lack a significant amount of understanding for anything other than the position that they play, and the formation that everybody plays in a 4-3-3. So now how are we serving our players to win if they can only play in one way? What happens if you do play against a clever team and they play in a different formation? Maybe they play a 3-5-2, maybe they play a 4-4-2. What if you play against an opponent who has a man sent off, for example, could you move to three at the back and go and play a 3-4-3? Three, three? There are so many ways that we need to adjust within a game that if we just say, here is a 4-3-3, three, three, here is your position, then we're not serving our players. Look at my favorite example are the front three of a 4-3-3. Three, three. If you watch any youth soccer game, more often than not, they are stuck, isolated, our number 11, our left winger, is stuck against their right back, their number two. The same on the right side. In the middle, there's two centre-backs looking after our number nine. And we're okay with that for some reason. We're okay with saying, when you finally get the ball, beat the player in front of you and just go to goal. Because that's how strikers play. Yet, if we're going to teach them about winning, it's also going to include problem-solving. So our players spend time on the wing, they wait for the ball, they're out there just hoping that they get a good through ball or the defender falls over so they can beat them. And then when they don't do that, we as coaches get frustrated at them. We are confused as to why they're so good in practice but can't play in a game. We're confused why they don't 
understand how to switch their positions autonomously. We understand or don't understand why they don't play closer together. Yet in our training environment and in our game setup, maybe in our game model, we're very rigid in the way we play. So now my challenge in this regard, in terms of formation and in terms of positions, is for coaches to develop their understanding of how they can impact a game from the sideline with tweaks and then take that into your training session. So maybe you play one side, you play a, a 6v6, for example, and then you play a 3-3 three, three in one side, and then you play a 4-2 on the other side, and begin to challenge them to explore new ways of playing, new ways of combining, and not just being stuck. So then the challenge may go even further for those individuals that are the the, the kind of problem players that I've identified there. And I say this is a problem because uh, ODP, I had seven forwards who are only forwards. None of them could play an outside back. None of them could play as a false nine. They could only play in one line, which was get the ball and go forwards. Some wonderful talent, some wonderful players, but very, very rigid in the way they play. So now in my training environment, I'm going to challenge them individually by saying, can you do this? Instead of playing on the wide right, I want you to play in the middle. And every time you combine with the second striker, because we're playing on the 4-2 side, every time you combine with that second striker, that's going to be worth two goals if we score. Now we're going to take that into our pregame meeting. We're going to take that into any information and homework that I set you. And you're going to begin to understand how your position can change within a game. Now, unfortunately, if you've got players at 14 and 15 years old, they're going to be very, very set in their ways. If you have younger players, they're very open, they're very pliable right now. You can move them around and play them in different positions. And it's really, really important from my perspective, looking forward, that that's one way we can win. We can get our players being comfortable in new positions. We can get them being creative. We can have them having fun. That's also part of winning. Then we'll take what we just did in training and the concepts of trying to encourage combinations and creativity and movement, mobility, all sorts of things that we're trying to bring into our training environment, which also assumes, by the way, that we've created a positive environment, a games-based approach in our environment that allows our players to try new things and rewards them. It's a risk-reward. If they fail, then we're there as a coach to support them and not coach them how to do everything right all of the time. So assuming we're doing all of that, do you take those goals into the game for the weekend? And the simple challenge will be how many times did those two strikers combine? How many times did the midfielders go and support those strikers? and combine. That's something that you can have the players on the sideline look at. That's something that you can have an assistant or a team parent look at, something that you can look at too. But that's a goal for the game. And if we did it just once, or we attempted it just once and it didn't quite work out, if we framed this right and we have the environment that we all claim we have or like to think that we have, then we are winning. We're winning because our players are trying to find new ways of playing. They're trying to find problems or answers to problems that are being presented by our opponent. Instead of relying on the kick and run and the simple kind of forward and backwards runs that we ask of a lot of our players. And of course, here I'm focusing on that forward line because that's pretty fresh in my mind right now. But it's all attributed to winning. We, we understand that 
That is the way that these players are taught. So that's probably our best chance of winning the game because they're going to play in positions that they know. They're going to play in formations that they know. So let's just go and try it out. And then we just keep swapping the players until we find the right one. And really the, the challenge for our players, we can set them up by combining practice to games. And now we're going to go and win in another way. My communication with my parents says, this is what we're working on. This is what we've been working on. This is what I want you to look at when we're working in the game so that we're not shouting random things or asking players why they're not playing on the right when they've always played on the right. And you know all of the stuff that comes with that. So then tie that into IDPs. I've talked endlessly about IDPs, individual development plans. I have a template on my website, but all you need, you can buy it, or you can just listen to this and write the notes that say, ask a player for short-term goals and long-term goals. Tie them to the way they're playing right now. Ask them to explain, just in bullets, the demands of them in a game from a tactical perspective, from a technical perspective, from a physical perspective, and then from a mental perspective or a psychosocial perspective. That's it. And now your IDP work with that player goes over time as you continue to tie the training environment, the game environment and performances to that individual's plan. Because they may tell you that they want to go to college and play soccer. They may tell you that they want to be a pro. I had 18 IDP meetings at ODP. So lots of IDPs and ODPs and P's and D's here. But in the ODP program, every single player, all 18, say they want to be a pro. How the players perceive being a pro or what it takes to get to a pro was very different amongst every player. And how realistic is it for them all to make it to the pros? They're in a good position with ODP. But the understanding of the big picture is that they only win if they go and play in the pros. So then we set smaller short-term goals so that they are winning regardless of where they end up in the big picture and you may think that this is underserving or maybe you think that hey these players can dream that big and and we 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 can encourage them to dream that big and I think we can but I also think we have to be realistic hey do you understand that this is real do you understand that this also has an element of luck because they all say hard work and commitment is really important to becoming a pro, which of course it is. But there's an element of luck that at the ODP event, you're playing and at the right moment, a scout from, a, from the MLS or from the national team turns around and sees you perform a moment of brilliance. There's an element of luck attached to the way that you're playing. So then the IDPs grow from there. Last month, we were working on this. This month, we're going to tweak your IDP a little bit just for your technical review and ask you to be able to play the ball with the outside of your foot as you cut inside. Last month, I just wanted you to receive with pressure on your back and connect with the player underneath. So the game continues to evolve so that every player within their IDP is also winning. And it's difficult. I saw a tweet the other day and it said that... Um, we like, to, we like to say that because everybody's wearing the same uniform, we're a family. Or we like to say that we are a team because we're all playing for the same club. When in reality, that's not the case at all. Parents are constantly looking for the next best coach, the next best organization. Players are always talking to their friends and they have no problem in ditching your uniform and going and putting on someone else's. Tryout window should also tell you that that's the case. So then how do you keep this growth? How do you then keep this, this team together when we're focusing on IDPs, we're focusing on individuals winning, 
Well, the reality is, I think, that we embrace that and we create an environment in which every player wants to be the best and therefore every player will grow within that environment or in theory will grow in that environment because they see player A who has begun to excel at a new position or has begun to play a different position even better or the same position in a new way. So then it's a little bit of a, an ego and a little bit of a drive that says, I want to be that good too. Maybe they were friends anyway. Maybe you've created a, a program within your team that pairs players up or puts players into threes and they create an accountability group and lots of little things for more winning together. And you're focusing on those individuals having success, which then fosters the team having success because our players are playing and how we're learning. So I really think that we all come at this with the right attitude. We all come at this with the perspective that we are all in it for the kids and we're all trying to help our players win in, in, in new ways. But if we get stuck with players playing in the same positions, if we don't have individual development plans, if we don't tie the goals from training into the game and just rely on the results, then nobody is winning. Do I do that all of the time? No. I don't. It's a very difficult thing to do, but I want you and I want myself and I want everybody else to be mindful of the numerous ways that we can win with our team. Some of you are coaching very high level and you need to win. You need to actually win on the day and that's understandable. But for 99% of people listening to this, you're working in the youth game, you're working in a teams, B teams, C teams, you're working with small groups, you're working with players who are just beginning to love the game. And we can win in so many different ways that's going to facilitate these future soccer players.